I believe that there is a natural division of Mark's gospel that really comes about, <clears throat> if you're in chapter three, you'll see it, I believe, in Mark chapter three and verse, at the end of verse 12, and then verse 13. So right there between those two verses, I think there's this natural division Mark has that from three uh, up to three up to chapter three, verse 12, you've really got the introduction of Jesus's ministry. And then with the calling of the disciples, which is what we're going to look at this evening, um, there's a new phase that happens. Um, Jesus is now <clears throat> calling his people to with him. He's introduced himself. That's what he's done for the first three chapters. And now he's beginning to call his, his, his disciples with him. One of the <clears throat> big themes of, of the Gospel of Mark that you'll see, especially as you get later on in the book, you'll see that there's a, a real call to discipleship. What does discipleship mean? Uh, which, by the way, is not an easy thing. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty it's a pretty tall order. You'll see that as it goes through there, but you start to get a feel for that here in, the, in this text that we're going to look at tonight. So it's a natural division. I would say, again, the first three chapters, it's really about Jesus arriving. Then from the middle of chapter three on through, I think it's, I have to remember, I, I don't remember, I didn't write it down, but I want to say it's in the middle of chapter five. There's a next division where he's calling them and then he sends them out. And you'll see that as we get into it, but we'll, we'll continue on through here through the end of chapter three. And uh, tonight, I'm just going to go to verse 19 or really the middle of verse 19. Uh, I think you'll see why in just a moment, but the, 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 the people who divided up the chapters and verses I think that in verse 19, the thought, while it's got the word and in front of it, so it's continuing the thought, uh, it's really a new thought. It's a new new paragraph at that point. So I'm going to put my end point right in the middle of uh, verse 19. But uh, we're going to get into it tonight and just see how Jesus is calling his disciples and how he is sending them out on mission. You're going to see that in this passage. And uh, I want to, again, thank you for joining me. Uh, thank you. Many of you are faithful to join week after week. I really appreciate that, whether you're watching live or if you're watching this on Facebook or YouTube uh, a little after the fact, that's great. And some of you, um, you're not even watching me. You can't, can't put up with my face. So you're just listening and that's fine too. You can listen uh, as a podcast, uh, the Seeking Christ in the Scriptures podcast. It's available on most of the podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher, and a bunch of other ones that uh, people use to, to listen to podcasts. So however you're listening, I thank you for that. And I do know, and I'm, I recognize that there are some a faithful group of you that are doing that. So thank you. Let me begin before, before I begin, I should say, let me begin with prayer. Um, and let me ask the Lord to help me. And of course, I'll help you as well. So let's pray together. Lord, we are about to study your word together. You, you've given me some of these thoughts that you've given to me before. I pray that you will give me clarity as I try to articulate these things to these people and um, use me as, as you see fit. But ultimately, would you let your word sink, sink into the hearts of the men and women that are listening and change them through your word? I'm asking you to do this in Jesus name. Amen. So we are now in Mark chapter three. <clears throat> and we are down in verse, um, lost my place. We are in verse 13. So I told you between 12 and 13, there's a little bit of a division mentally that I put there. Um, I don't know if Mark intended that, but it seems like a nice dividing point in Jesus's ministry. So in verse, um, in verse 13, 
Jesus, it says, he goeth up into a mountain and calleth unto him whom he would, and they came unto him. So you see that Jesus is now calling some people to come up to this mountain with him. What I want you to see with this, first of all, is that Jesus is has a lot of people that follow him. In fact, you go back to verse 9. Um, there's so many people that they're they're worried about that, that Jesus has said that it says that they're thronging him. In fact, Jesus says, Hey, hey, listen, guys, uh, put a little ship out there so I can get into it. So I have a getaway. He does that in verse nine because there's so many people there. So there's a ton of people coming after Jesus. But some of those people, I, I don't know if it's all of them. I don't know if it was an open call. I don't know if it was just a few of them, but I do know some of those people. He calls in verse 19 or verse 13, excuse me, calleth unto him whom he would. So there were certain people, whatever his decision, reason for that decision was, he called those people to come with him up into the mountain. <clears throat> and then some of those people who keep reading and he ordained 12. So we know there was more than 12 in verse nine. I don't know for sure, but I suspect it's something less than 12. I'm, I'm sorry, less than 12, more than 12 that he invited up, but less than the whole crowd. But again, we don't know how many, but it was definitely more than 12 because he says he invited some of these or called some of these up into the mountain. But in verse 14, he says he ordained 12. While he's up in the mountain, verse, verse uh, 12, he says that he ordained, in verse 13, he says he ordained 12 that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. So I want you to see here that he's got all these people around him. Of those people, he invites some of them, don't know how many, to come up into the mountain. And then of those people, there's 12 that he decides to, to call. I won't take the time to read all of these names here right now, but in verse 16 through 19, the first part, there's a list. These are what we know as the list of the disciples. He calls 12 disciples. And these are the men that you have heard and known about. And this is one listing of their names. But he is picking 12 of them to go out and preach. He ordains them. It uses that word. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> He ordains them. And if you look at them, you're going to notice um, that they're kind of representative of all the kinds of people who might follow Jesus. You've got fishermen and farmers in the group. You've got some people that are just strangers. They're, they're just sort of wanderers that don't really associate with one group or another group. They're just folk in the in the community. Uh, there's some radicals in the group. Uh, what's the one guy that comes to mind? Um, oh, I can't put my finger on it right now, but... Um, Oh my goodness, I can't find him right off. But anyhow, uh, uh, there is there's some radicals. I can just tell you that there's some radicals in the group that are that are going against the government. There's also some people like Matthew or Levi, I think he's called, um, who are essentially government pawns, doing what the government wants them to do. Uh, there's some crooks. There's some religious people. There's some educated people. There's some illiterate people. So there's a it's a cross section of all the the kinds of people that would follow Jesus, and he picks these twelve out and says, "I want you to go on mission with me." Now, <clears throat> the application that I'd like you to take from this, and I, I'm challenging you to to apply this to yourself. We know that this is factually what happened. Jesus called these twelve men to be his disciples, but. I want you to hear that in this invitation to these 12, there is a call to you and to me. There's a call to us to go on mission with him. <clears throat> hear me clear that we're to go on mission with him. That's the call. This is a privileged call. And it's a privileged call from a powerful God. 
it's never given to these people. If you look at these men and I mean, and knowing what we know about some of them, people like Peter who would deny Christ later, uh, James and John who would fight over who was the, was the greatest in the kingdom. I mean, these guys weren't, um, <clears throat> they had their problems. I'll put it to you that way. And uh, don't get on your high horse too much. We all got our problems, right? So don't, 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 don't judge them too harshly. But the point is that these are not perfect people. So this call that Jesus has given to them is not given because there's something in them that's good. No, no, no. No more than it is for you. When he calls you, he's not saying, well, Matthew's a pretty good fellow, so let me get him on my side. And, and when he's calling us, he's not calling us, he's not calling you to do things in your name because of your works or because you deserve it. Again, these men that he's calling, none of them at this point particularly have done anything. If anything they have done, they have just lived lives. Uh, Peter, and we know from earlier in Mark that Peter and Andrew and, and James and John, they're fishermen. That's what they've done. And nothing wrong with that. It's a, it's a good living. It's honorable, but they've really not accomplished anything. So why would God call them to, again, look at what he's calling them to do, not to be fishermen, but to preach and to have power to cast out or to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. He's calling them to a pretty high calling. So what does he do? It's a privileged call from a powerful God, not because of who they are and not because of what they can do for God, but because of who's calling them. God is saying, I'm inviting you to be on mission with me. And I want you to hear this very clearly. I, I know many of you that, that are on here, I know you personally, and I know your testimony. You have told me, and I, and I believe you, that your faith is in Jesus. And I am glad for that. But I just want to make sure you hear this clearly, no matter if you've ever professed faith or not. If, you're not, if your faith is not in Jesus, no matter what you've told people, if your faith is not in Jesus, he's not your ultimate hope. You need to hear right now, he is calling you to follow him. That door is open. Would you come? Would you come to him? He. This is not something that you deserve. It's not something that you've earned. There's nothing good about you. But Jesus is so loving and powerful and kind to invite you to come with him. Won't you come? Won't you come? So Jesus has invited you to be on mission with him. So go with him. That's the first point I want you to see. But <clears throat> now that he's called you to go on that mission, and when he calls you to go on that mission with him, know that he's going to equip you for that mission. It says there in verse uh, 14 that he ordained 12. That word ordained, it essentially means that he made them. He created them. He, he, he put them in that position. And I don't mean making them as in he forced them to do this, but making them in the sense of he's equipped them. He has made it so that they are able to do. He says, I want them to do this thing. I want them to preach and cast out demons. Um, and healed the sick. I want them to be able to do that. So he's going to give them the, the tools, the equipment they need to be able to do that. <clears throat> These are 12 ordinary men in every respect. But what Jesus has done is he's called them on this special mission. It's, it's an important mission, but he is making them worthy. He is ordaining them. He is making them worthy for that mission. As you probably have heard before, if you haven't, just think about this. He doesn't, Jesus does not call the qualified he doesn't go out and do a, a job search and say, who's the best qualified to be my disciples? That's not what he does. He doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. If Jesus is calling you, and I would dare say, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm taking any license when I say, I believe that if you're hearing my voice right now, there is a call to follow Jesus 
follow him. And if you will follow him, he has promised to equip you. He is going to give you what you need. But don't miss this. Since he's the one equipping, you better be going with him. <clears throat> we dare not do this in our own power. In fact, the disciples, when they're going out, they do they do this from time to time. They, they mess up. They're, they're regular guys. They're human beings. They, they mess things up. And they, over in Mark chapter 9, just a few chapters later, uh, there's a, a boy that is possessed of a devil. And Jesus is not with them. They're by themselves. And they're trying to cast out this devil. And those devils make a fool out of them, man. It's not until Jesus comes along that he takes care of this and he gets the devil out of the boy. And he says to the disciples in Mark chapter 9 and verse 29, he says, this kind can only come out. He's talking about dealing with these supernatural forces. You cannot do this on your own. You need to do this with prayer and fasting. We have to do this in total reliance on God. The key is that we have to, as he even says it here in verse 14, he says he ordained them that they should be with him. So the key here is, yes, we're going to follow Jesus, but we better make sure we're following him, that he's the one, that when he is with us, that his spirit is indwelling us, his power is on us. Because when that happens, when Jesus is with you, he even says about the church that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. When he's with us, I mean, we're going to be facing down. I mean, look at what they're doing here. They're casting out devils, verse 15, healing the sick, preaching the gospel. These are tall orders. And to, ex to expect any kind of outcome, you're going to have to have something going on here. And what's required is that Jesus's presence be there. He being the one to equip. So since Jesus equips us for the mission, we need to go with him on this mission. So the second, that was the second thing. Third thing I want to show you is in uh, the next few verses where he says in verses 14 and 15 that he is sending them out on his mission. I want you to notice the mission that he sends them on. It's in verse 14. He's ordaining them that they should be with him, that there's three things that he, he does, they do, that they he might send them forth to preach. That's the first thing. Verse 15, to have the power to heal sicknesses. And the third thing, to cast out devils. So these are three things that he wants them to be doing. Now, why is he wanting them to do that? Well, there's a couple points I want to make here. First of all, is that Jesus is calling them to share the gospel and to serve people. That's kind of in a nutshell what those three things are. Share the gospel and serve people. There is no sense in which a Christian is called into the eternal Sunday school of increasing knowledge. That's just not what we're supposed to be doing. Now, don't hear me wrong. We are supposed to continuously learn, but it's continuous learning so that we can do something with that information. He has called them to do something, to go and share the gospel and to serve people. And he's calling them to do those three things I mentioned, and they are exactly what Jesus did. Could you do this? If you've got your Bible open, go back to chapter one of Mark. I want you to see in verse 14 of chapter one. It says that now after John, after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee. This is really what the first thing that Jesus does when he shows up on the scene, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. What's the first thing he's doing? He's preaching, preaching the gospel. He is preaching the gospel that the king has arrived. He is telling them himself, I'm here. That's what the gospel is. It's a, it's a political announcement that he is on the throne. 
That's what he's asking his disciples to do, to preach the gospel. Now go, you're in chapter one, go back, go down to verse 38. It says in verse 38, Jesus is talking here. He says, let us go into the next town that I may preach there also. So he's going to preach the gospel. For therefore came I forth. And he preached in their synagogues throughout all of Galilee and cast out devils. And then we also know if you were to continue reading in this, you'll also see him healing people as well. He is going through this area and he is serving the spiritual and the physical needs of these people everywhere he goes. This is what Jesus does. This is his mission. This is what he does for people. And what he's doing is he is sending his disciples to do the same thing, to do literally what he does. In fact, that's why we call them disciples. A disciple is someone who learns from the master and follows in the master's footsteps. And that's exactly what he's doing. I want to make sure that we get this point here that Jesus is sending people on his mission. So we must go with him. You see, the world doesn't need more of me or more of you. It does not. The world needs more of Jesus. And frankly, it needs less of me. It needs less of you. Your service to the world, to the people around you, and it's the right thing to serve them, but it has to be built on fellowship with Jesus. If we, and I've done this so many times that it's, it's, it's kind of pitiful that I've done this so many times that I have not learned this lesson. If I don't serve people, I, I pastor a church. If I don't serve the people of that church out of my fellowship with God, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be serving them and I'm going to be expecting something for myself and people are people and they don't, it's not, they don't mean anything by it, but they're just going to disappoint and upset me because I'm expecting something. And then it's going to, it's going to be drawing from a, a, a drying up spiritual well inside of me. And I'm not going to give them anything worth giving, but if instead I will serve them based on my fellowship with Christ, and I'm actually not giving them what I got, I'm giving them more Jesus. One, it's actually going to help them. First of all, that's the most important thing. And second of all, regardless of their response, whether they're grateful for it or not or whatever, my satisfaction is in Jesus. So that, that's where we got to got to see our, our serving people have got has got to be built on fellowship with Christ, first of all. And we serve people best, not when we share ourselves. Not to say that we shouldn't be sacrificial. We should. We preached about this on Sunday at, at North Beaver Baptist about you know, we need to give of ourselves, but we need to do that in a, in a spirit of love. But we serve people best, not when we necessarily give of ourselves, but when we share Jesus, both with our words and in our actions. If we will actually reflect his love, his attitude, his spirit in all that we do, that's when we can really serve people. We serve them most when we're channeling him. In other words, instead of me just acting on my own personal impulses and my personality and all those other things, instead, I will go to his word, lean on his power, offer his person. If I will do that, then people are actually served. All of our preaching and teaching and singing and giving and encouraging and evangelizing, all of that, it has to show Jesus first of all, and most of all, and last of all, all of all, all above all. Unless it's doing that, we're not really going on his mission. He's the one sending us, and he's sending us on his mission, so we better go with him, not with ourselves. Now, the third point, or rather the fourth point, fourth point I want to make for you, is that he's empowering our mission as well. Notice that in verse 15, 
that he's saying that you're going to have the power to heal sickness and cast out devils. Hey, I can tell you one thing. These fishermen, pretty smart fellows. They know where to find the fish. They know how to make a living from that. I'm not, I'm not going to take anything away from them, but they cannot heal anybody. Uh, The tax collector, he can do some amazing things, some amazing things with, uh, with accounting, but man, he is not going to cast out any devils. They're doing supernatural things. And, and yes, they're going to fail at times. But when they fail, why are they failing? Because they're not leaning on the power of Jesus. But see, what Jesus is doing is he's giving them his message to preach. He's giving them his power to do the work. And that's what he's giving to us. Don't, don't miss that. He's not just giving that to the disciples. He's giving me and you divine power. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18, 19, and 20. You know it as the great commission where he says to go into all the world and preach the gospel. But just before that, he says, all power is given to me. This is Jesus talking. He says, he's got all the power in the world. And at the end of that, he says, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. He says, listen, all the power in the universe is mine. And I'm going to be by your side. He's going to empower your mission or the mission that he wants you to send on. He's given you the power to do it. And when we have his power, again, I, I'm Matthew Tilly, and I'd like to think I can do a thing or two. I think I got, you know, some things on the ball and I've been able to do this, that, you know, I could, I could talk about my, my, my bona fides and tell you how smart I am, but I can't change a life. I can't build a church can't stop the devil. I can't defeat sin. I can't save my own children. I can't repair your marriage. I can't overcome drugs and poverty in my community. I, I cannot even help a Christian grow. I'm not able to do that. But did you know that the power of Jesus could do all those things and so much more? You can't do this on your own. It's not possible. But when we go with Jesus... When we go on mission with Jesus, and he's always planning to be there, the question is, are we taking him with us? Are we walking alongside of him? And if we will, we have that power. Now, let me give you this final thought. All that simply trying to get you to see that Jesus is inviting you to go on this mission with him. He's going to give you every tool you need. He's going to give you the power you need. It's his mission. He's got something to plan. So the the exhortation I want to give you is make sure you're going with Jesus. I didn't read off all of those disciples, and you can read that there if you've got a copy of the scripture in front of you. But I do want to point out last last verse, verse 19. It says, the last disciple is Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him. And Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him. talks about Judas. That last disciple is Judas. Now, notice this about Judas. Just like all the other disciples, he answered the call. He went on the mission. He served. He preached. I don't know. There's no record that I can recall. Maybe I missed it, but I don't really recall any record of him casting out demons and all that. But I know that he was trying to help people. That was He was just like the rest of the disciples. But it says, Mark is foreshadowing here what would happen, which also betrayed him. And you know, if you don't know the story, let me tell you briefly, at, towards the end of Jesus' Jesus's ministry, Judas betrays Jesus. He actually goes to the religious leaders. He takes 30 pieces of silver 
in exchange for making sure they know exactly where Jesus is, when he is there, and he turns Jesus over essentially to the religious leaders. Of course, later on, he commits suicide because he's so distraught by this, and there's a lot of other things that happen there. But, but ultimately, just know that Judas betrays Jesus. So he's a cautionary tale of sorts. But don't forget, he went on the mission. He answered the call. He, he served people. What was the difference there? I would argue that the difference between Judas and these other disciples is that he went with Jesus, or rather he didn't go with Jesus. They went with Jesus. He did not. Judas's ministry, and you can kind of see hints of this as you see references to him throughout the scriptures, his ministry was about Judas. It was about what he could get, what he could gain, what he, what he looked like. Could he be on the winning side, as it were? But Jesus is calling you. And he's calling to say, he's saying, I will save you. I will equip you. I will send you out so you can share and serve. I will empower you with the supernatural work that's ahead of you. But that call is a call to go with Jesus, not to go alone, not to go in your own power, not to go with your own abilities, and definitely not for your sake alone, because the world doesn't need me and it doesn't need you. The only hope for this world is Jesus. He's your only hope. He's your only hope for salvation, your only hope for meaning in this life, for, for purpose, for really for anything. He is the only hope, and we must go with Jesus. I hope you'll take that to heart. Examine yourself. Are you in Christ? Are you a Christian? If you are, thank the Lord. But make sure that all the ministry that you do, however you're helping people, serving people, and I hope you're doing all those things, but you're doing them with Christ, with his power, with his authority, with his backing, doing his beck and call. When you do that, amazing things will happen.